In today's feature we'll talk lots of facts You probably heard these people get visions looking in their hats Their host got lots of stuff but probably not a TV If I live there I hold a square up so you're looking at me This week, for this week, it's about the Mormons I may bite my tongue when I speak I got a monkey, glasses and suspenders You were talking Mormons for this week For this week, it's about the Mormons I may bite my tongue when I speak I got a monkey, glasses and suspenders you were talking Mormons for this week. We're gonna do a roundup of Mormons in the news. Hello, my children. Welcome once again to This Week in Mormons. I'm Jeff Openshaw. This is your weekly podcast about news. Except for the weeks where we don't do news and do other things. But this week, it's news, everybody. We're back in the saddle. Nice to be with you. I guess it actually has been a little bit of time since I have sat down with you to do any news because last week we had the Dan Debenham interview and we had the sisters and then we had the Ezra Taft Benson interview and the week before that we did the news with none other than who's with me again this week Kurt Frankham from Leading Saints. Thank you Jeff I'm back and uh, a conference week Jeff this has been my dream you see it was my dream to just get on this week in Mormons and now it was my dream to get on the week before general conference and I I hear just a teaser out there you may have me back for the uh, General Conference recap. That's the hope. So, uh, folks, on Sunday, I don't think we're going to live stream it or anything like that because I've realized no one watches when we do. So there's no, <laughs> there's no point to going to the trouble. But we'll probably record on Sunday night. Your mom watches, Jeff. My mom doesn't know how that works. <laughs> okay, fair point. Fair point. Not in the least. Anyway, we'll look for that uh, either published maybe late Sunday night or... Uh, Monday morning or something like that. We'll hope to have conference, and we'll talk a little bit about some some conference thoughts leading into it. Of course, this week that's a big prep week on all of those fronts. You know, good are things you, are happening. You still going to be on now. the twitters? Is that where you set up your your base camp? I hope to be. Sometimes I feel like it's out of obligation. You know, like I get tired sometimes on conference weekend. I feel like it, it's stupid because I love conference for the sake of enjoying conference, right? And yet. As as a a builder of things, there's a part of me that recognizes that conference is, frankly, good for brand development. Right. right? I mean, it's 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 a good time for exposure and to engage with the community, and to get a lot of good thoughts from other people. And so, you I naturally feel even more obligated to be present uh, for those reasons, which is sad because ideally I just don't care, but. <laughs> Right. I just want to enjoy conference, you know. But at the same time, at the same time, yes, I'll we'll be doing the Twitter. But I also enjoy quite a bit of seeing other people's thoughts on Twitter. That's part of what makes it enriching a lot of the time. Like there's there's always the jokey tweets which I enjoy posting as well, you know, and some snark and some humor and stuff. But people also post really insightful thoughts about the talks that are going down. Yeah, so that, that, that could be a nice little the, supplement to what you're getting. That's sort of the trade-off, right? That uh, you, you sort of want to be in that community that's present, that's overwhelmingly present there during conference and, you know, see the comments and, you know, the snark is fun from time to time. But at the same time, it's sort of that balance of, do I be involved there? And yeah, I'm sort of, you know, absorbing the content and the principles, or do I just need to like plop down, focus, and then end up falling asleep anyway, so... I've tried to find a balance. So now um, it's even harder now just with our kids, more kids oh, yeah. and older than they used to be and stuff like that. Because I used to kind of set up a war room back when I'd sit at like my desktop computer with another laptop streaming stuff. Because I, I, Several I monitors. I, I like to make shareable memes. What I like to do is have those nice just quotes from people's talks and get them up and have a picture of them. It's pretty, you know, very basic. But even just doing that, I feel like 
almost takes me out of it so much, even though it makes me focus because I want to find a good pull quote. So I've kind of abandoned that effort yeah. of uh, trying to pull out the quotes, even though it's a nice, useful thing to share. You can get some great quotes from all the speakers and it's pleasant. So do you feel you like you nice pick up a, a chunk of uh, of listeners or followers on, on Twitter because of your uh, your engagement there? Potentially, but I might lose as many as I gain, <laughs> right? you know. Yeah, that's that's I I actually get volunteers in the leading saints community that like will take a session and then they'll, you know, they'll yeah, do the quotes. Yeah, cuz you're smarter than me, and, Kurt. But uh Kurt, you have you have built a brand that people respect and want to be a part of for free. Well, hey. You've done very well in that regard. Uh, th- that's my hope anyways. I'm sure there's a handful of people that just don't see me as a brand or see leading saints as I mean, dude, you still a, a you respectable still are nice brand. enough You're nice enough to come back and still slum it here. Oh man, this is, there was a time when I, I feel think like I'm with my people. Twim, you, I think you viewed our twim collaborations as a nice way to get, get some greater visibility out there. You know, do the good work, let people know what you were all about. But now, my friend, the the master has become the pupil, and I sit here on humble knee and kiss thy ring and recognize thy superiority Thank in all things. Is this when you announced the acquisition of This Week in Mormons by Leading Saints? Go ahead, Jeff. Incorrect. This is when I announced the hostile takeover <laughs> That's right, Jeff. I'm slowly, this week I'm working Mormons. from the inside out. There's one, you'll wake up one day and you'll be like, why did Kurt want my, uh, my Twitter password and my <laughs> WordPress password? And hey, wait a second, I can't log in. And then, and then it'll all be gone, Jeff. Uh, I think what, you're not thinking correctly. Remember, there's times when I've asked you to have my own ba- know, access to your website. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I it's have a, so I have a community that will come after you and toilet paper your house. They, they, I'd have to have a house to have to do that <laughs> yeah, with trees and such in front of it. So okay, I do have some trees. I do have some trees. So what's new in your we, life, Jeff? What's uh, what's uh, making what's making your heart come alive? Quite honestly, um, to veer slightly from church things, uh, I live in Washington, D.C., and I work amongst a lot of political individuals, and it's been an interesting 10 days or so on that front. I won't go into details, but that's certainly been occupying a lot of what's been happening of late. Nice. Uh, I will say I do work at a government agency, and so it's been uh, it's been fun. Uh, do fist fights so- break out in your break room? or No, first we'd have to have a break room for that. <laughs> Here, Don't use our tax I want, dollars to for a break room, Jeff. I do want people to understand. I've worked for a couple. I've worked for like I've worked for uh, I've worked for the State Department. I've worked for the Department of Defense before. I've done different things. Um, some places have it a lot better than others, though. I will say that. The, lest you ever get the idea that these people have like cushy government jobs, I will say this: most government jobs are. It, it is hard to fire people, and I think sometimes harder than it should be. So that's fair, but. Um, the conditions you often work in, even like stateside, just in an office building in D.C., you're in some random old building from the 50s that's still falling apart. There's little things like the fact that they don't even provide water coolers, and everyone who wants a water cooler access pays to be in a water club where everyone co- – I cough up $7 water clubs? a month. $7 I, I a month? Up, I spend 7 bucks a month like so collectively we can – Yeah. So collectively we can pay to have a water cooler stocked. In our office, for example, um, we only have a microwave in my office because I brought one from my basement that we inherited when we bought our house, and I don't, and it's a spare one I don't need, so I brought it in oh, one man. day. But then the one. guy like microwaves his Tupperware full of fish or something, and the whole place stinks. 
Oh, I don't mind because before if I wanted to microwave something, I had to walk across the whole building, which in this case is the equivalent of more than a city block, to go all the way to a different suite where there happens to be a microwave as part of our team. Uh, we just got a refrigerator last week, and it just sits in our foyer because we don't have an actual kitchen. Jeff, you, so these are the things you should you remember. Know, you know there's a private sector, right, with foosball tables and cafeterias. and. See, I've had the balance when I've been a government contractor, which I still am. But I didn't work on site with the government. I worked at my company's offices, and that was a freewheeling blast. We had high-speed Wi-Fi, and we all had MacBook Pros and a fun culture. Uh, I do miss those days at times, and there are many times I think about the private sector. The problem is they want results in the private sector, and as I work for the government, I can't get <laughs> details. Can't get details, you know, it's I can't. I would probably have my first day in the straight private sector, and they'd be like, "Well, we'd like here's this project," and then they'd like expect it to be done you know, by the end of the week. And I'd be like, wait a second, where I come from, we talk about this and then have some more meetings and talk about it. And then about a month later, someone revisits it and wonders where we're at. And then we say, oh yeah, that's still a thing. And then about three months later, someone actually gives someone something. And then, so, then you get a new boss every six months or so as, as you know, with secretary of state yeah, so, gets replaced or whatever. But anyway, that was my long way of saying, don't think that we all have these cushy, Setup, and especially not me. I'm not even a government employee, so I work in this environment, but I'm still employed by a private company, and so, and so I have like my combined PTO. You know, when you have your sick and your vacation is one, that's a very common thing nowadays. But otherwise, that was a bit of a tangent. Uh, life is, life is tremendous. What can I say? I want to give a shout out to my brother, who had his tonsils out last week, wow. and as I had mine out three years ago. And having them out as an adult is a torturous experience. Why didn't you do it when you were eight or something? <laughs> that wasn't, I didn't need it then. Didn't come it was up. Only when I started getting all these infections. So shout out to my brother Colin in Idaho. Buddy, you can do this. You can we do shall this. now start a fast for Colin. <laughs> Probably should. Oh, that's, it's not fun having your tonsils out as a grown man. That is, uh, I don't, I don't envy him any one bit for that. Otherwise, we're just hanging out, you know? you know. Good. We'll talk about some things. You know, last Sunday we had that dope broadcast, right? We we about- were in spirit. We had the same meeting, and uh, and it was it was great. What 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 were your takeaways, Jeff? Were you excited? Oh, about well, I, this? I wanted to catch up with you. I thought it was fine. I will admit, I am shocked at how much they have teased out information for the youth program. I cannot remember any program drop that has been this bereft of detail and where they just kind of keep just dropping little little nuggets, little nuggets, try to keep you coming back for more. I'm like, is this because they're really worried if they announce it too early, people will lose interest by the time 2020 hits and they want to just bring it right up to the line? I don't know. But Don't you think that, it's more that, that they just, they, they're figuring this out or as far as the details as they go? Or do you feel like they I have a- I certainly hope not. Uh, do you think they have they a well-rounded the program, like the, the project is over, they're just waiting for January 1? I think, no, I think the project is over. I can't imagine they would be winging it like, here's what we're going to do, everybody. We're going to record this broadcast. Let everyone watch it on the 29th, on the fifth Sunday. It's going to be great. And then we'll use the intervening weeks to kind of figure out what this really all is. We will also have publications and pamphlets to pass out, but we won't really know what they mean yet. We'll wait for Elder Gong to explain that when we are all face to face. (laughs) 
And so, I mean, I guess I would have expected by like April around the April conference or soon thereafter, they would have had a meeting like, okay, here it is. This is what to expect. Well, let's just wait it out. Similar to, uh, let's see. Well, they did the, the two hour church in October and we waited a few months. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. 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 We don't two need- hour church is coming up, coming up on a year old in terms of being part of our happy our birthday, two hour conference. church. Yeah. Happy birthday. Um, so I don't, I don't get what's up with the rollout of it. I think the program from what little I understand of it at this point is great. Let the kids set goals and work with them on goals and have them have a sense of ownership. I think all those things are excellent. I'm just still very curious about what it actually is structurally. Right. Like what is the week to week activity, the activity look like, right? So, and that's not to have the, the home centered church supported you know, take care of it for me, but it's just to kind of know what we're getting. I don't even have kids that go to mutual, but just to have like an understanding of what this all means, I think that would be good. And we'll find out more in November. It's just funny to me how much they're, I watched all of Sunday's thing and I thought it was, fl- it was fuzzy and warm and nice. It, it's like but, a, uh, like a 24 episode, you know, season of a TV series, right? Like each episode it's yeah. like, and come back next week to see if Ross really falls for Jennifer. Ross Rachel. Anyone Rachel. Her real name is Jennifer. Rachel. Anyways, you know but what I mean. I will go on the record that Ross should have actually wound up with Mona. Everyone, it should have been Mona. And I will t- I will tell you two things. Ross should have been with Mona, not Rachel. And Phoebe should have wound up with David, not Mike. Come at yeah, me <laughs> in the comments, friends, fans. Sorry, I opened I, that wormhole and you jumped right in, didn't you? No, you actually did because I just rewatched all of Friends over the past couple of months. <laughs> Like I literally finished it like six days ago, so it's fresh in my mind. That's what I do when I'm commuting. Um, how do you feel about the youth stuff, though? You know, what are your what are your takeaways? Well, Jeff, far that actually I actually am officially in the youth program because I was it's called happened. my new ward yeah. as the young men's secretary in the young men's presence. Dude, this is like a dream calling. Yeah, for you. I, You've had I'm really that. stoked. I've I'm yeah. finally in the the youth program, the young men's program. So I'm excited to explore this. And uh, you know, I I sort of um, I don't know if you remember the uh, hasten the work meeting. Like there was a ton of hype around that, and then we showed yeah. up and it was sort of like, oh, like there, like we were kind of everybody was expecting a, a larger announcement, but it was more just a good solid missionary broadcast, right? And so I've. I sort of walked into that meeting with my expectations lower. And so I was really pleased with, with how it was presented and explained. And and obviously there's much more details to come, but uh, I thought, Oh, this is cool. And I had my little seven year old there and we, you know, filled out the, the quadrant of, of goals and things. And, uh, and I, I think I, it's got a lot of potential. I'm, I, I'm excited for it. Looking forward to it. So. Yeah, there's a lot of potential. I'm glad you're less cynical than I am. I enjoyed it. But I was also by myself because my kids are too young and my wife was sick. So I just kind of sat there and I thought I thought to myself, huh, what's it like for the other people that don't have, like, th- there was no alternative programming this past Sunday. There was just a smaller primary and this. And if you don't have a calling that pertains to this and you have no kids that age, you'd be like, cool, this is all well and good. But... <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean every every auxiliary know, takes their turn of attention. It's from good inform it's good information to have. Yeah. yeah, so we'll be curious to see how it uh how it plays out. That that uh President Ballard though, he thought that kick looked pretty good. <laughs> he loved the kick. That was his little quip right there. That's right. 
That, I don't realize Elder Ballard is a uh, ninety now. Yeah, he's an old man, but he's he's sharp. So that man that man has perennially been eighty eight to me. So to actually have him be, I know, 90, right? It doesn't seem like a lot of those. Uh, there's a handful of the apostles that through the nineties and the the first decade of the two thousands, it was. It was, uh, they, they didn't age a year. They were like the same person. And then all of a sudden, like, hey, I'm 90. Like, what? I know, and it seems like they don't. I mean, let's, let, let's look at their ages real quick, according to Wikipedia. So yeah, Ballard is 90. Elder Holland is 78 now. And Elder Uchtdorf is 78. The Silver Fox is two years shy of 80. Yeah. One year shy of 80. He turns 79 in November. So I think of Uchtdorf as being like always 66, pretty much, right? right? Like, that's how old he is. Uh, Elder Bednar, 67. I actually, uh, if you'll allow me to name drop, Jeff, I ran into uh, Elder Uchtdorf as I was downtown. Uh, he was just yeah. randomly uh, standing by a car with his wife, and uh, he was nice enough to, we were having a ward activity. He was nice enough to come over and take a picture with all the kids. And uh, and when you were with him in person, you're like, yeah, you, you seem a lot older in person than oh. under those shiny lights. So yeah. do you think they put like, uh, you know, like makeup? makeup on him? I've often wondered that myself. I think they do. I think they must, but then I question, like, they're all under shiny lights. They can't make up everybody. I mean, I know they know, like, who's going to be on camera at any given session, but they, uh, they know, focused on camera, but well, if they I do the, I would uh, assume they do. The oxygen eyeglasses, the, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, you know, they, when they're on oxygen, they wear, eye, you know, glasses that That was mostly Elder Hales really made that famous. Right. I mean, no I don't one think anybody's on oxygen fun. right now. I think they're doing okay. I think they're doing okay. We've got a we've got a strong cast of of apostles, so this is great. Let's see, Bednar sixty seven. There's a lot. Uh, Cook is seventy nine. Christofferson seventy four. Anderson sixty eight. Rasband sixty eight. Stevenson's only sixty four, but of course he's you know younger in the set. Um, Renland is sixty six. Gong is sixty five. Suarez is only sixty. He's the youngin'. It's going to be Presidente Suarez someday, my friend. Well, then, have you ever read the uh, st- like the people who do probabilities? Oh yeah, they have the graph sure. and everything, and like I mean, obviously El- Bednar has long like had yeah. the best odds on that front, just because they call you know he's right now he's fifth in line, and right. he is substantially probably go younger Oaks, than everyone in front of him. Holland, Bednar, maybe they'll sneak someone else in there. So are you th- so what you're saying is you think Ballard will die before he gets the chance to take over? Oh yeah, Based I, I believe so. Said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you think <laughs> I mean, will make it? I kind of feel morbid. You know, I'm not like wishing the death. What of, you're saying of the is guy. you want President Ballard to die? No, That's absolutely what you're telling not. Telling us. No. Let's keep him around. He's probably a, one of the three Nephites, and he'll just vanish into the far cities. I remember he came to a state conference we had once a number of years ago, and he was there with the seventy, who was from like Hong Kong. And the 70 was pretty recently called. It was one of his first assignments going around with an apostle. And he was a crack up. The man had not been, uh, you know, institutionalized yet. <laughs> I would say he was, He we were dying. It was so funny. And Elder Ballard did not seem pleased about what was happening it's in like, that meeting. <laughs> I'm just watching his facial cues. Back just, to the training room for you, my son. He's like, listen, this is a serious meeting where we tell people serious things. So it was... Uh, I loved him though. He was great. He was joking about like vacuum. It was, he's like, you have these houses. He's like, I was at the stake president's house and they had to vacuum and there's like different floors and so many rooms. He's like, you know how long it takes me to vacuum in Hong Kong? He's like, left, right, left, right. It's done. It's over. That's all we have. 
I forgot his name, but he was awesome. Well, good. Uh, we we uh, how are how are you though? We talked to youth broadcast, but I want to make sure the leading saints icon before me yeah. is well represented. I uh, we're doing great, as you can see. I'm actually in a new house, so we we moved recently. Literally every time we record, you're yeah, in a new that's house. how I roll. And uh, I just have a series of homes that I I travel to. And uh, the the Liberating Saints was a virtual summit was a wild success thanks to you and the Twim Nation for uh, participating in that. I hope people found value in that. And uh, like I said, I got a I got a calling, so I'm excited to, for you know that sort of re energizes the uh, Sunday experience, and now I guess a weekly experience as I participate in the youth program. So. Link any uh, any big interviews coming up or, or other releases for leading saints? Big interviews. A, a really an interesting one. I interviewed – I'll probably release this the Sunday after uh, general conference. But I uh, interviewed a lady who um, was a young widow. Like she was widowed at 24 years old. And she talks wow. about uh, just sort of the the messiness and of uh, the administration and such when you – you know, when you obviously you, you get remarried if you're that young. And so she got remarried, but, you know, the husband can't be sealed to her and, and you know, how the process of requesting that because the system is very much uh, framed around divorcees, you know. And so uh, interesting episode. We talk about policy and, you know, just that experience as a young widow. And, and uh, so kind of random, but uh, really I enjoyed the conversation. So That sounds awesome. And, and- – humbling in a lot of ways too yeah yeah, that's, yeah it's that's tragic nice. and luckily you know it was 25 plus years ago where you know a lot of that emotion is has uh, sort of subsided a little bit from from uh, i can't imagine but. i can't imagine how tough that is for women who are widowed like that not i mean other than all the obvious you know trauma you deal with from that but then from our structure in the church, wherein you are sealed to a husband and you cannot be sealed to another, and you, I think it's it's tough to date and find a man who is willing to enter into a non-eternal relationship, especially if you're still going through like wanting to have kids and do all those things together, which you probably touched on a lot during the show. Because if yeah. you're widow when you're 24, you're probably still thinking like, yeah, I want to get married again, like have a family and do this stuff, but because but there's no ceiling involved in right. any of it. And she I talks like about that, just sort of that, the uh, nonverbal uh, communication of when that, you know, she's dating somebody or goes out on a few dates and they find out, oh, I'm sealed, my husband died. And then, you know, there are some of those relationships that just sort of fizzled out, you know, because, you know, bless their hearts, they're, they sort of want that experience and, you know, it's, it's tough, so... It's tough. And it's like, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, those men are being shallow. It's just, it's a, you have, to, it's just tough to yeah, find. It's such a prominent doctrine and, and uh, part yeah. of our gospel, right? That, you know, so, and even to the point that you, they don't even do uh, four time only uh, ceremonies in the temple. So she had a beach wedding, right? And it's like, uh, nobody, it's one of those things like it wasn't anybody's fault that they couldn't have a temple wedding. They were both worthy and and yeah. able to go to the temple, but they had a beach wedding because that was you know they couldn't do it in the temple. So I, I thought they did for time only. Sir, they they stopped doing that a few years, oh. like ten years ago. I think so. I didn't know that. Yes, that's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I guess part of it makes sense. Maybe the temple was like, why? Right. <laughs> the main reason you want to come to this building for the eternity aspect is not part of it. So why? That's interesting. That sounds like a good interview. I'll yeah. keep an eye out for that. Check it out. So, but yeah, lots of, and then I got another interview with Robert Millett coming up, just read his book and, uh, or, uh, 
Barbara, I forget her name. She wrote a book about women and priesthood power that we're going to talk about. So yeah, a lot of good things coming down. You'll definitely want to subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Now, do you read so, the Do you read the books yourself, or do you have your volunteers read it and then give you a cliff notes? I I read them myself. I either read them myself or I don't read them and just sort of you know I'm always honest with the person if I've read it, but I always try because it makes like a ten times we'll better that, right? interview yeah. when I have really perused the the content that they've written. So I agree. There are times when I have read nothing, such as this week with most of our news items, and I will manifest myself as an idiot. <laughs> I read a lot of, most of them, Jeff, so I got you, man. I got you. Oh, good, good, good. Um, Well, golly gee willikers, where do we leave You're going to kick us off, Jeff? Where do we start? I mean, well, this we, we buffet dab- we already, of options. We already dabbled a little bit. We've done oh, some Oh, of course, you'll, you'll go with this already. important lead story. Go ahead. I'm going to go with the hot news coming out of Guatemala, everybody. Oof, tell us. The missionary, training center, the missionary Training Center in Guatemala is going to close in January of this year. Because now, the most important com- MTC, do you know where the most important MTC is, Jeff? Uh, the one that was in Madrid, but no. also closed. No, it's in your home, Jeff. Elder Bednar stated this in last conference. The most important MTC is in your home. And the second one is you know, yeah, I mean, that's all well and good, but I mean, where am I? What, I mean, come on, what, it's pizza night. You remember when they do pizza night? In oh, Pro that Pro? one. And then the BYU Creamery night. Oh, man. I never had that one. I don't, we never went to the Creamery. And I was there for a while. I don't remember that. <laughs> if, if, you, if they really want our, to raise some funds for the missionary up. program, they should like have a monthly night or. Uh, that where they open the cafeteria up for anybody to pay, you know, fifteen bucks a, a person, come back, enjoy the experience, get a bowl of cereal. Who in their right mind would pay fifteen dollars to eat MTC food? Jeff, are you out of Jeff, your mind? It's not about the food. It's not about the quality of food. It's about no. The, it is. It the, is about the food. Because otherwise, memories. I'll just give fifteen. Otherwise, I'll just donate fifteen dollars to the missionary fund. If I'm actually trying to do a fundraising model where I'm getting something immediate out right, of Jeff, it, Jeff. Hey, listen. I'm going to put really that idea. I want to seize candy bar or something like that. I'm going to file that one away right next to virtual reality temple ceremonies, okay? I'm just saying that I've thought about these ideas first. I'm putting them away so that I get the credit when these Why actually happen. Why have you contacted contact the uh, the mission president in uh the Provo MTC? Oh yeah. I'll I'll probably just hang out by the entrance until No, think think about this think about this. Okay, ready? Leading Saints presents MTC reunion night. Ooh. Right? You get your branding all over that. People you, like, show up. You can you reserve a bunk to to sleep in for the night. That would be so bad. <laughs> you, you can shower you with the other men if you want. I mean, the they, possibilities they got rid of the, are the tree. The, the uh, tree of life, I believe, was phased out, though. It was. And, it's all uh, private stalls now, right? And I'm still seeing my therapist about the tree of life, so... I will never forget my first experience. I, I think I made it two days without having... Because remember how there were a couple of private stalls right. off the other side of the rooms? So my first couple of days, I managed to nab those. I kind of kept tabs on who was going where. I'm like, yes. And then it was, you know, schedules what they were. You got to right. get up and shower. And, I was and then like, after oh, we week, go. you know, three or four, you're just like, hasn't this always been comfortable? <laughs> it was weird. It was a weird moment in our... The I weirdest guess it, moment... It's not just our, our church. It's our culture that this was a thing. The weirdest moment about the Tree of Life, or actually was the way it was designed. It makes sense, but when you think about it, I never had more than three guys on it, perfectly spaced out in even thirds when around. There's like six, uh, but topics. there's six nozzles, so you could have nozzles, yeah. six. I being there and realizing if you're facing the pole and you have someone off to like your two o'clock, 
someone off to your 10 o'clock. That's fine. If I had somebody hanging out right down there like 4 o'clock and somewhere at my 8 o'clock, that would yes, have been much yeah. more uncomfortable. This, These memories so what I'm, make it so... I mean, it makes it makes the mission right, and so this is we need to have a reunion night. We don't have to do the shower thing, but we the MTC no, we reunion should definitely night. make everyone show up and have a group shower. That should be part. No, of the- <laughs> that is not an option. I'm not going, Jeff. If that's a thing, but I mean, think it. I mean, reserve a bunk. You can walk around your own old the halls. Uh, go to your classroom and the size of a broom closet and, and learn a language you don't understand as you silently weep for your mother. I mean, there's so many options <laughs> to this. Uh, what was I in? No, was it 18 M? Is that the big meeting room? Yes. 18 M was. was the big meeting place and 19 M was like the gym next to it. Right. I thought 18. Yes. I, I, yeah. I forget. 17 M. I don't remember what it was. What was, yeah. Cause or was 18M the gym? People are, are screaming at their, their podcast player right now with the right answer, and we hear you. I don't remember you. any of this. All I remember was the weird guy who'd always say, who directed the music and said, we do not stand for the hymns of Zion unless directed to do so. And, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, that was that was the only power trip he ever got, and so he, he rode that as far as it would go. Every time he said that, I'd look around and be like, what's the problem here? Like, who's standing? No one's doing anything wrong, man. Like, what do you want? <laughs> Oh, yeah, good times. You're a bit, you're a big weirdo. So anyway, the poor missionaries in Guatemala will no longer have any of these experiences that we have been discussing. And to my knowledge, the MTC there is not particularly old either. Well, they but, will uh, have an MTC experience. It just won't be in Guatemala, right? Yeah, it'll be, uh, according to Daniel Mexico. Woodruff, church, church spokesman, yeah, they'll go to the Mexico MTC, which is well-equipped well to accommodate large groups of missionaries who are being trained in the Spanish language, uh, as, it, as it would be. Um, let's see here. Plans for future use of the facilities will be uh, determined by local leaders, which is usually what they say. They don't say much else about it. All we know is they're going to shut it down. Uh, They've closed a number of MTCs in recent years. I I alluded to Madrid, which is where I went to the MTC. That one's gone. Um, Was it the Japan MTC that also closed down? And I think one in Chile. They've been closing a lot of them, though. So I don't know what that means, like, in the end. I'm trying to figure out your system here, Jeff. The the colors on these news stories mean something. I forget what they are. So I'm just I'm just going to grab one and run. It so. literally says it when you click on the card. It'll tell you what the label means. <laughs> oh, We're using oh, Trello. Like, <laughs> oh, so this is a mention. Yeah, let's not do that. One thing I wanted to get no, to do it. was down it's here. Too late. I'm doing this you, one, Jeff. Two-hour church. Tea. Is it failing? Uh, our friends over at Buy Common Consent, which is a pop- popular... Um, Popular Twitter account. Well, they're a website that has a Twitter account. They're, they're uh, one of the most prominent. Yes, they have 24,500 followers. Or, uh, yeah, they're, they're verified on Twitter. I asked them how they got verified, and all they did was wrote back and said it was very difficult. And I was like, well, that's nice, but I was looking for kind of a roadmap here. They got a buddy that works at Twitter. so Probably. Uh, Actually, they talk I, about I, the... Um, Says one blog's opinion: People don't want less church; they want better church. They have they want experiences that bring them together. They want to feel like they belong to something bigger and worthwhile. So they started this thread about is two hour church working, and they are, they are sort of uh, I don't know if the defending or uh, bringing up the point that maybe come follow me is working, maybe you know the home center approach is working, but the two hour church experience is sort of falling flat. So. so- it's an okay. interesting discussion. What do you think, Jeff? 
I, I get what you're saying. So it's basically all this other stuff we're trying to work on, like, you know, the youth program, having more home-centered, family-centered church, all that stuff is good, but the two hours we're spending together every Sunday are not as good as the previous three hours were. That's what we're getting at, right? That's the argument. That is I the could argument. see I could see some of that. Church feels, it's still what you make of it, but I think in the era of trying to be home-centered, it appears that we've almost like taken the onus of learning off of our church experience. And I think I still have some pretty worthwhile sacrament meetings. And for the most part, our Sunday school has been okay, but I find often it's a grab bag of a teacher just going up and saying, here's all the topics that were presented over the past two weeks. What do you want to hit on? As, as opposed to thoughtfully preparing lesson materials that of course can be altered in the moment based on the spirit, you know, and how the discussion goes. But I could see it. I don't mind that it's only two hours long, but I feel like I barely talk to anybody when I'm there because we're just with kids in sacrament meeting. We dump the kids and we just go to class and then it's like, cool, this was fun. Yeah, I think those like the precious moments of three-hour churches like in between, in the transition periods, right, where you, you go into Elder's Quorum, you got maybe five, six minutes, you you know, sit down with a you know, brother that you're somewhat familiar yeah. with and you talk to him, how's your week, you know, how's work going, how's that project going, whatever it is. And, and those were the, the precious moments. And obviously... You know the the content and the the formal structure was was great, but um, it's just that community aspect that it, it feels very much rushed. I mean, church still. I mean, even though you wonder how we ever did three hour church, it still uh, it still feels short. I mean, it's just like well, boom, yes we're, and we're no. Elder elders quorum now feels like a freaking eternity. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my! And the funny thing is, everyone. I get it for Sunday school. But we've all been so concerned about how do we adjust for Elders Quorum and Relief Society. And I've been like, dude, there's no adjustment. That was a 50-minute session. It always has been. We've changed absolutely nothing as far as the timetable. But it's like, let's get rid of opening exercises and a hymn and being together. And I, I, I very much disagree with all that because I thought it was useful for the young men to sit with the adult men and we sing songs together and we kind of have like some time, like what you're alluding to, some other time to sort of bond together to let the young men- It was a less formal moment, right? See the adults and kind of have some laughs then break. And now you just show up in elders quorum. There's not even a prayer. There's a couple of announcements and it's like, let's get into the lesson. And I look at my watch and I'm like, dude, we literally have like 48 minutes left for a lesson to go over a conference talk. Which I think if it was done effectively, it could be a great 48 minutes, right? But a lot I've of the time, in, we're just in this tradition of, all right, let's, let's watch paragraph the talk. four let's here. Let's watch right? the talk. No, it's always, let's watch the talk, because that's a great way for a teacher to kill t- seven to 12 minutes based on who's speaking, and then talk about it. It's true. When there have been good lessons, it has gone by better. So it's a it's right. it speaks very much to why, to the importance of teaching an elders quorum, and I think... I'm, I'm sure I've been guilty of this too, but like, I, if you're an elders quorum president and you're in a position to influence your lessons, try to think of good ways to make it worthwhile for everyone attending. Uh, I've been in quorums now where it's pretty much like I don't know how I feel about this model, but basically in our quorum, everyone it's a grab bag. They just ask different members of the quorum to teach. There's no there's not a, a set called elders quorum instructor or two who are the ones who can plan around it. It's just kind of everybody doing everything, which gives everyone an opportunity. And that's nice. Yeah. And I've, I don't know if I've mentioned but, it on the, on this week in Mormons, but uh, if, you know, if you're to go back to 19, the 1940s, 1950s and construct a perfect floor plan for our church experience with road shows and community events and, you know, that require stages and large gymnasiums and, and smaller classrooms and th- these things, like it would be, 
the typical format we have now. But I think we've sort of outgrown that, that I've found, especially in Utah, where we have older buildings that have been around a while, that the floor plan itself makes the church, the two-hour church experience a little bit awkward, because as we've shifted to this getting away from the lecture format to more of the discussion, but then the elders quorum has to meet in the chapel, and discussion in there is very difficult to do when it's hard to hear, and or people passing around a mic. So there's just these little nuances that maybe they they understood and expected, but they're hard to do. You can't just change them with by changing our church uh, format and, and agenda, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, the structural things hit us a little bit too. We had to rearrange like where we held primary versus priesthood from where it was before, just because we swapped rooms with them basically, just because they needed more space because of all this other stuff. And it's yeah, the, yeah. The uh, the facilities ramifications is an interesting thing too. What is it structurally about like the way your building's organized? You mean just because of the way the rooms are used, and now having it be two hours, you've had to just alter where you meet, and that's had a a negative effect or well i guess it, it design be, really itself. begins with the co- combining of the elders and high priests that now yeah. some of these smaller priesthood rooms didn't work so now the only place to go is the cultural hall or which is very difficult you know with the echoing to hear or the the chapel which is sort of the same reason it's maybe not as bad as the cultural hall and so uh, i if uh, you know this is why i sort of i think it it'd be beneficial for a ward to split a quorum sooner than maybe there is traditionally known, uh, you know, having two elders quorums with the size of maybe okay, you Okay, Utah people. problems. All right. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there, Jeff. Splitting elders quorums. The scriptures don't allow for it when there's only 20. You know the numbers. Read the Doctrine and Covenants. What's, what's the minimum, Jeff? Isn't it just a Split? maximum? No, no, no. It's supposed to say like you don't split it. And I, admittedly, I'm not. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm shaky on which section it was. But it's, I didn't mean that like a gotcha question. <laughs> yes, you did. Is 96 is the maximum, right? Yeah, uh, it's like that. Yeah, I think it, they were pretty clear that uh, you know you can. I, I, and I've seen it before. Like you can, you can split a quorum even if you don't hit that 96 number. Yeah. So. You know what I think is another interesting issue, and I'm not knocking, and I want to be clear, I'm not knocking home centered or two hour. Right, we're just, I think it's, a, just it's worthwhile, it. but um, I worry too that it's created this sort of tenor of of trying to be so home focused that people are more reticent to get involved in like church activities. Like I feel in my ward, there is a great reluctance to plan activities that are, I don't know how you'd say, bigger or involve more time. Or like, I guarantee if someone said, folks, we should do a road show, everyone would be like, I don't know. That involves a lot of time out of the home. Like that involves, like there's this mentality and it might've already been there before and we don't want to tax people too hard. But now it almost seems like, look, we want to stay away from the church building as much as humanly possible and just show up for our two hours and drop kids at mutual once a week or whatever that's going to be under the new program that we'll someday find out about. And and that just makes me sad because right. one of the things that's always made me so happy in my life is just outside of all the actual, hey, I'm at church doing church things. It's just the whole socialization side of it, of having fun with your word family, planning a reasonably big like Christmas party that actually involves effort and time from people because you're putting a, you're not trying to do like the bare minimum just to say, cool, we had a party. Let's just make sure not to keep the families busy or out of the, or keep get people out of their homes. Like I, I just. I think church can be so much more than that. I worry that we're lose, going to lose the community element when we're trying to be so home centered. Right. 
But I think a lot of that goes to, I think that's more of like this, the overall culture in general, that in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you didn't have this emphasis on community extracurricular stuff like, uh, you know, leagues. And, you know, it seems like if you're, if you play baseball or basketball as a, as a youth, you know, in the local, you know, rec league or whatever, it's much more of a commitment than maybe in the eighties or seventies where it was just sort of like, maybe you do it. And the church was much more of a center of community. And we've just lost that. And I don't necessarily think it's the church's fault or, but it's just sort of the shift of our culture in general and the media, you know, there's more media options and distractions that way that, you know, we didn't have Netflix to, to binge friends, uh, (laughs) When back in that time, so you look towards the church and the roadshow as oh great, we can get the kids and the family out of the house and go enjoy this community event. And it's sad that that's gone, but it's one of the, I don't know how we get it back without completely transforming the the culture we're in. But maybe we need to. I mean, where are we going to be as a church if our church is really a bunch of little like individual? Every ward is a bunch of separate little fiefdoms of families who just get together once a week so they can take the sacrament and then sort of, you know, cruise their way through whatever the second hour happens to be that Sunday. And then, and then of course, people are still working on church stuff outside of that. I mean, I know plenty of people who are using up their, pl- exhausting plenty of time and resources to help members of the ward and all that stuff. Yeah. But And maybe, that, but maybe that's the next phase, and obviously I don't want to uh, speculate on where the church is headed with these things, but it seems like there's been a regrouping of like the family effort and in-home, but now the pendulum swung that way too far, and hopefully we can find a balance with, okay, well, how do we... As a as a strong group of families, how do we become a strong community, right? And have that unity within our communities, and, and hopefully the church is at the center of that. But interesting times, Jeff. I mean, yeah, we should. I mean, the whole notion of a ward, I mean, we call it a ward, which if outside of a church context, I was actually talking to a colleague recently and explaining our structure. You know, I said, we said, well, we have a parish, is we call it a ward. And they're like, a ward? Because ward has like a weird connotation where you're thinking of, you're thinking of like hospital. urban, you're thinking of urban blight and stuff like that. Like over there, you know, the lower ninth ward in New Orleans or, or yeah, DC as wards. That's true. And, and that's, but we, we call them that because of church history when they, we'd settle these cities and we just divvy up the city geographically. And of course, that's why you lived in like the first ward of independence and the second ward. And it was literally a ward in the urban planning sense. And we've just carried that over. But like that ward was your community, and it yeah. still can be. But I just I I yeah, it was so more worried. synonymous with community than your church, who you meet with on Sunday, right? Yeah, like you went to church, but because church life was all encompassing, the ward was your immediate community. And I'm just worried we're going to drift away from that, and uh, church is just going to be a place for some ordinances and good instruction. But otherwise, we're going to feel like we're a little more autonomous or you know isolated. Yeah, and that's where so I would I say know. that like I think. Like, these are all great points and perspectives, and and I think it's natural to sort of wait around for the church to, like, introduce that program or how we're going to do it. But really, I think this just is—it's on our shoulders to take the initiative and and look outward and say, you know, how, how can we how can we do this? You know, how can we use the stage uh, more effectively or the gymnasium or you know, the culture hall, whatever you want to call it? And and I think that's just up to the the lay members to, to make it happen. So here's your invitation, and- Twim Nation. And my last bit, though, I question whether the weird alternating structure in the second hour is serving the purpose it should. Right. I mean, we get gospel doctrine two weeks a month, sometimes less if something else comes up, you know, like general conference or what have you. All of a sudden, you go like a month without having a Sunday school lesson. I just feel like the continuity, especially for the youth, is yeah. 
Goofy. Well, it very much felt like they split uh, the baby, right? That the the Sunday school and the priesthood relief society hours they they were such institutions that it's like, well, how do you just get rid of one? And and I don't think they re- literally considered that. Maybe they did. I don't know. But I mean, how do you? So they just sort of split the baby, right? Like, okay, we'll just do every other week. But then that sort of just waters down that experience in general. And yeah, and, and from what I've been told there was a plan to revise the curriculum with Come Follow Me as a separate thing where we'd still have three-hour church, and then the revelation and the thought came to move to two-hour church while Come Follow Me developed for a three-hour block was already in the works, and then they just adapted it. And and so I would understand that for 2019, but it appears that in 2020, we're just going ahead with the same model and nobody's rethinking whether it works that said, I'm sure people are rethinking all the time. I'm, I'm sure the brethren are, are keenly aware of all of this. But, um, well, there we go. Good times there, all around. Now, let's see here. What can I shoot at you, real fast, my friend? I'm going to give you a couple quick temple news things because those are fun to to chug out there. By the way, temple predictions, everybody, are coming your way. You will have it gets them. its own episode, right, Jeff? That is the hope. Yes, yes, because Kurt does not care. I do care because they keep skipping over West Valley City. It's never going to happen, Kurt. I think There's we even great, say it. I know exactly where it could go. You know, just call me if you're listening, Church Headquarters. Call me. I can help you. They don't care. They don't. We're too anyway, much of the hood. A lot happened this. Yeah, but speaking of the hood, I mean, Tawilla's in the mix here. So a lot happened this week. We got a couple of renderings for temples and announced groundbreaking for a temple and a location revealed for a temple. All of, you know, ones that have all been recently announced. So. Uh, First of all, the newest temple in California, the first temple in California since 2006 in Yuba City, but will be known as the Feather River California Temple. Uh, The design was revealed. It's going to be a modestly, you know, an average size temple, 38,000 square feet. Not small, not huge. It looks fine. Like architecturally, I'm like, it's fine. There's nothing that jumps at me and says, this temple's hardcore, man. Look at this temple. This is legit. It's good. It's going to be good. And it's going to be in just a random spot of land in Yuba City, like kind of near like the courthouse and a mall. They're not building it in like a new residential development is what I'm saying, which is often where these things go. It just looks like it's just going to be kind of plopped in the middle of town. It's going to be great. And another one, the Tuella Valley. This one pertains to you, Kurt, because Tuella is on the other side of the mountain of your they fatherland. skipped right over my home base. And, yep. uh, flew over I'm mountain. happy for the Tuila people. They they need one too. They do, because uh, even though Tuila is geographically, uh, it's not crazy far. You know, if you were to go as yeah, the crow flies to like the Ochre Mountain Temple, it's only like 17 miles away. But they have to Utah drive Utah standards. Then, it's it's a drive to do to do a temple session. And they go to Salt Lake. That's their. They go all the way to the Salt Lake Temple, uh, which is of course closing as well in the near future for renovation. So they announced the location of their temple. And if you know the Tuella Valley, it's basically a triangle of population centers, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. You kind of have Stansbury Park on one node, Tuella, and then Grantsville, right? Sort of a triangle. And then they announced the temple's going to go kind of smack in the middle of all of them in Erda. Erda. Have you been to Erda? Uh, probably. I I don't make my way out there too often. The people are apparently very excited. This has been well-received. A lot of people were actually hoping it would go in Erda because it's a nice sort of equidistant location for everybody involved in the temple's district. Uh, The big downside, though, everybody, is it's going to be built. It's going to involve the closure of Vergs. 
Virg's is a very popular restaurant on the corner of Erda <laughs> Highway. I loved your article, Jeff, that you turned a yes, uh, temple there's... location reveal into 400 words. And by you also did that by reading reviews from the local restaurant that it will be kicking from out Virg's. of. From Everyone loves Virg's. And it's, <laughs> Some it's, don't, it was, Jeff, right? It was, it was funny. That, no, actually, it's good reviews. But it's funny that I mentioned this because one of our listeners said, oh, by the way, here's something new. The church is actually going to, they're going to, tear down Vergs to accommodate this. I thought the temple might go just off of the intersection, but no, no. Church is swooping in and Vergs is going to close down, people. Go get your, what do they cook there, hamburgers? Garbage. Garbage. Middle America garbage. I'm sure it's delicious. It's and... probably been the site of many priesthood meeting uh, ice cream, post ice cream trips. I'm sure they'll find a way to make it all work. Uh, another quick temple announcement that I love. The, they uh, announced the groundbreaking for the Puebla, Mexico temple, which will be on November 30th. And they released an image of it, which for some reason is not loading on our website right now. But it is a gorgeous building. I am a huge fan of what they've done here. This is the best designed temple in a very long time. Whoa. Do you is see that, that hyperbole, now? Jeff? No, it's it's like... I, they hit all the marks. They didn't say how big it's going to be. It looks like it's kind of an average size temple. Pueblo is near Mexico City. Uh, but oh, the style cool. of it, the Spanish tile, the cupola, the the Spanish colonial architecture involved, but it doesn't look like it doesn't look like they're trying to put any kind of a uh, slightly modern twist. Like they're just building a really beautiful, cool looking building with a lot of old school flair. I think it's awesome. I, just, I haven't seen a temple that looks that good in a while. And temples are all wonderful, but that one's... That's why they haven't announced the West Valley City Temple, Jeff, is they're still working on the design. Okay. That it's going to be epic. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> or they'll just take a local stake center and upgrade it a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, stay tuned for a podcast later this week. And the actual temple predictions that we have for General Conference are currently published live on thisweekinmormons.com. You can go give us one, all. Jeff. What's one temple prediction you got? Papua New Guinea. Ooh. We've we've called that one before. It might be time. But honestly, my my highest one, my two highest ones are either uh, in Sierra Leone, maybe Liberia, but I'm thinking more Sierra Leone and Mongolia. Those are kind of my big two heavies right now. Other ones might happen, but I'd be surprised if one of those two doesn't happen. I think Mongolia will happen just for the the, the flair of it, right? I mean, to say Mongolia in general conference, a temple's going there. There's going to be a hush in the, in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Kurt, we're like 50 minutes and we've done nothing. I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, there's really nothing in the news, which takes me to this uh, article, which I hesitate because... Politics right now are just so ugly. and uh, But anyways, this article is, Are Mormons Stuck in the GOP? Heck yes, they are. by the Washington Examiner. And Mormons uneasy with Trump are stuck with the GOP. You're stuck. And no choice. I, you have to be a Republican. You have to be a Republican. It's in the Temple Recommendations. I do. Yeah, they, they force us here. With our guns, they uh, force us by gunpoint to go register. Except they can't. Except they can't do it anymore during the interview because guns have been banned in meeting houses. So now they have to have your temple recommend interview somewhere else. That's right. So, uh, anyways, it, basically the article just talks about the the uh, you know some uh, there's the I don't know if you're aware of this opinion, Jeff, that uh, Trump isn't the most upstanding individual morally. And I uh, think. 
I think badgering world leaders into doing your political dirty work is is a normal, upstanding way to go. Right. Same reason yeah. why. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not, not going to go for it, Jeff. There's anyway, no so issue the, here. <laughs> the uh, article just says about this uh, conundrum that uh, Mormons find themselves in. When in reality, you know, maybe those on the other side of the aisle would say it's quite a conundrum for uh, Democrats as well. That and the reality is, is politics is just ugly, and there's just crazy people trying to uh, run run the thing. And it, I think a great bumper sticker I saw today in the grocery store parking lot was uh, a, a responsible adult 2020, like any responsible adult or said something like that, right? <laughs> that we just, we just need to a big fat reset button in politics. And, uh, and that doesn't mean that that includes Every party. I'm just going to say it, Jeff. I'm genuinely concerned that America is actually in its inexorable decline. I'm there. With which you. makes me like I'm genuinely worried that we're at the point that the republic is just like we're not going to recover from this, and this is it. This is when American influence wanes, and this is when we just drift away as a country, and eventually we break up because some states like California get fed up with the whole thing and bail, and then it just becomes. I'm I'm very not immediate. But I'm very worried that in the next 15 years, if not 15, 50, 50, 50, 50, uh, I'm concerned about how it might go. We need an Abe Lincoln out there, Jeff, because we a need a white horse and leadership. A white horse. A white horse. <laughs> yeah. We all and, uh, need a Which white is not doctrine, but maybe it'll still happen. We'll, and every Latter day Saint will be, hmm, interesting. A guy on a white horse. Hey, so what's up with Peggy Fletcher Stack? She wrote some article this week about like she's trying to. Uh, it just says, you know, it says LDS President Russell Nelson has an entire church trying to keep up with a ninety-five-year-old. First of all, that's a that's disparaging towards ninety-five-year-olds, as if they are not able to lead the way in any other circumstance. So shame on you, Peggy. Shame on you for your ageism. Secondly. This article more seems like an exercise in link building. Like, I think they're just kind of doing a recap oh, yeah. of the past 18 months or so and linking to all of their other articles about President Nelson. Uh, there is a little bit of a timeline, though, about all the different things that have continued. Um, you know, they revised policies for Bishop's Youth Interviews, allowing one person in the room, combined the priesthood quorums. Uh, we dumped Mormon and LDS, of course. We cut the three-hour block. They revised temple ceremonies in, in uh, January. You know, they changed the endowment. February this year, we allowed missionaries to call home weekly. Uh, April, they rescinded the November policy for LGBTQ uh, couples and their kids. May, they permitted couples to marry civilly and then be sealed in the temple without the one-year waiting period, of course. So things have definitely happened. It's not that they haven't. I just don't understand the larger point of this other than Peggy Fletcher Stack just needing something to write for the week. You got to, you know, get that Twitter following up so that uh, you're ready for general conference tweeting. I'm ready for I'm ready for conference. Oh, he's, you're ready, Jeff. Come on, Kurt, take you're me ready. to take me to a couple other items. You've got some stuff here. Oh, Come on. we got here. Come on. Um, hit me. I want everybody hit me. to uh do you, you're gonna you hit may me? not be familiar with the name James. This Coran. is the one you're going with. Well, I just... Uh, go ahead. Okay. I, I mean, James no, no. Curran. Is that Do how it. you say his name? Curran? James Curran. James Current. No. James Elderberry. I'm going to call him James Elderberry. Also known as James the Mormon or JTM. And uh, you guys send this, some love to this 
this guy. He's sort of in a crisis point here with uh, having a rough go. figuring out who his audience is and who he's targeting. And so uh, they asked three questions on Fox 13, and uh, he's he's feeling not enough. You know, he just feels jaded. I think a little bit against. Uh, he says half the church hates him. So let's <laughs> let's show him that it's Sad. only forty percent. Hey, uh, why, why would half the church hate him? That's what I don't get. Like, don't what's know. his issue? I think there? there's a bit of hyperbole in his statement, but... Well, there might be, because he's saying, like, you know, we talked about this before, like, he's going to church and people are treating him weird. I mean, he hasn't done anything particularly radical. It's not like he, you know, I, I, that's what I don't get. He's a an active guy who's used rap to try to spread the gospel. I think this is, like, what's this is the case of... Uh, the trap you fall into when you read the comments online. No matter what platform you oh, are, James, you never that. read the comments. And he did. And half of them hate him. Can't do that, James. People are mean. People are very, very, very mean. Uh, here's a funny one that went around this week. The, the fine people at Third Hour. Oh, Third Hour. Third Hour is like dropping a sugar cube on your tongue and expecting to be nourished. So... <laughs> There's wonderful people there, Jeff. I'm just going to... There are lots of wonderful people doing shallow things in the world. I mean, that's fine. That doesn't make them a bad person, right? So Not not in the least. There's wonderful people doing mediocre work. So, Third Hour, had, and it's full of great things. But this article went all viral this week. And admittedly, I am one of the shallow people who saw most of the headline and briefly looked at it and said, oh, this will be fun to share on Twin People and get a kick out of this. Why not? This is a cool story. The headline reads, Baptist Preacher Praises Book of Mormon for Solid 10 Minutes in Sermon. And there's pictures of the man, and he is just he is just going off. Now, as Latter-day Saints, you say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is like a Vicenzo moment. This is some guy who found the Book of Mormon, and he is going to risk it all and preach the truth to people. Okay, well, let's look at the first comment here from Scottpa, who I think is a genius, and says, I hate to be a downer, and I'm glad this man has a testimony. And the, But, uh, um, well, basically, he's a baptized member of our church, and the Southern Baptists don't regard him as an actual Baptist minister, like he just says he's a Baptist He is baptized? Minister. Yeah, he's a baptized member of our church. He's still a member, even though it doesn't appear to be active anymore. Used to be an active member for many years. He claims that his calling is to be a bridge between Baptists and Mormons, which is why he claims to be a Baptist minister, and which, according to him, is the reason he is no longer active in our church. He needs a podcast, Jeff. He also has a, is a member of the Third Hour Forum, so he has stuff on there. It's a good comment. They say, look, anything, nothing, nothing against this guy. He seems like a nice guy. He's trying to build bridges, but this is like a classic example of a... Uh, we just jump on the random headline like it's a Baptist preacher who uses the Book of Mormon without vetting it or right. going for any. Yeah, I, I I googled his name and found several articles from Baptists who were not a fan, and which you know, they well, have of course that right they wouldn't be, be. So, but I mean, uh, when the truth if you've met a devout Baptist, anybody you know preaching the the Book of Mormon is is not going to be uh, applauded in their circles to say. I this, know right? it's a shame. I actually, this actually kind of, this isn't, wasn't Baptist, but this reminds me of one of uh, Jeff Border's earlier Convert f- Files posts on, on our blog. He has a column there. And he talked about how he was invited to go and preach at like an evangelical church at one time as a member of our church. Oh, nice. That was a good read. Sorry, it made me think about that. You know, it was a receptive audience, but we can do good things. Anything um, else, Kurt? 
I will mention uh, Kirby. Kirby's article in the Salt Lake Tribune. And as a very orthodox conservative Latter-day Saint, you may think that uh, I don't like to read Robert Kirby. Well, I don't read all of his articles, but I argue that every orthodox member of the church uh, needs to read Robert Kirby's uh, column from time to time because I guarantee there's probably 10 Robert Kirby's in your ward at the moment. So he talks about this concept of church authority versus the blessing of being yourself. And just, uh, I think it's a good read, Just and he always makes it fun. And uh, Well, what's it, what's it about, though? Give us the— uh... Basically that, uh, you know, growing up, the saw it's, e- it's easy in, the, in, in our culture to sort of— uh, um, keep the commandments or, or feed into the culture of being, you know, the good Latter-day Saint boy or girl, um, and keep the commandments where he saw, saw it as, you know what, uh, I, I, ha- he has a testament of the church, but he'd rather just be himself and consider the consequences and maybe, uh, choose the alternative path when the consequences don't necessarily, uh, look as threatening as, as, as others. So, uh, fun article, check it out. All right. Before we leave you this week, I think we'd be remiss if we did not at least hit upon some of the conference rumors as we are going into general conference. You know, last time in April, after so much institutional change, radical shift, I think it was kind of surprising that uh, conference was pretty much uh, kind of by the numbers. You know, what we expect organizationally from conference, right? Nothing crazy happened. And even President Nelson got up for the temple announcements and made a point to say, Basically saying, look, this was kind of a lot of fun when everyone was getting hooting and hollering and having a good time, but these are sacred buildings and let's kind of act accordingly. You think he's going to say it again? He might. I was glad. I think he will. I was glad he said that last time because I, what I, I've said this before, but what I really appreciated was it seemed in some of those announcements he made in 2018 that even he was sort of lapping up the, the mood in the room, you know, kind of just really enjoying how, how kind of dramatic and amusing all of this was in a way. And I like to think that even he, I don't know if I'm saying he was necessarily admonished by God for it, but that he might have even taken time to reflect and said, man, what am I doing as a leader if I am sort of tacitly encouraging this kind of thing? And so I like that he got up and just reminded us, look, please don't hoot, don't holler, don't clap, don't just like, these are great announcements. We can all be happy about it and let's move on. So that happened. Um, and a couple of things have happened since Last conference, like we mentioned, they changed the, uh, there's no more waiting period if you get sealed uh, or if you get married civilly, you can just go to the temple whenever you want. Uh, That was one thing that was rumored. But I'd say the big one that I've seen floating around is about missionaries, particularly this time, where they are sent and how. So there's only a certain number of missionaries. It fluctuates a little bit, but by and large, that is what we could call a finite resource, right? And we always have to figure out how to distribute those missionaries around the world. And for a long time, it's simply been just spread them all around the world. Some missions are bigger and smaller and have more and and fewer missionaries. But reportedly, and this is according to some individuals who have said that their stake leaders have been given a heads up about this, uh, they're going to yank missionaries out of underperforming areas or more established areas and rely upon the members to do the missionary work and then send the missionaries who we should remind you are called as teachers, not as finders. Their job is to teach. That's what you are called and set apart to do as a missionary and send them to places where they can do a lot of teaching basically. So the nice translation would be bye-bye a lot of North America and Europe probably like no more missionaries in your ward and they'll probably get sent to Africa and uh, parts of South America and Asia. Of course, a rumor, 
But I also feel like one of the few rumors that actually kind of makes sense with where we're going as far as a uh, as far as the church giving us opportunities to take it upon ourselves. You know, we're taking we're home centering our study. We're giving the youth the opportunity to own this. Why would we not remove the crutch and force ward members to get serious about missionary work on their own if they were going to do so? So I I could see something about it. What if we handled it just like a risk board and we put every last missionary in Brazil until we were like 80% of of the population? That doesn't work. Everyone knows you got to hold it up in Australia and then you fan out across mm, Southeast Asia as you take That's over. true, Jeff. So <laughs> Brazil's way too vulnerable. You could they could attack you from all sides. Can't do that. I don't know. These are rumors, of course, and I don't like to perpetuate the rumor for rumor's sake, but I think it's interesting to for us to be aware of ideas there might be in the church. Um, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know one way or the other whether this will happen, but what are your thoughts on that particular concept? On As far as missionaries go? If missionaries really are, if they announce, like, guess what? Like, they're gone. Like, we're pulling all the missionaries out of California. They're just not yeah. going to be there anymore, and we're sending them somewhere else. Maybe they wouldn't pull them. Maybe they'll let them finish their missions. It would be more like about attrition, more or less. Yeah. But I mean, in general, way. I love I would love the idea because, especially in, uh, in the recent shift of you know minimizing of callings and such, like really uh, strengthening the ward missionary program and and saying, okay, brother and sister Jones, you and four other couples, you are our teaching. We're going to set you apart as missionaries, and uh, when there's a discussion needed, you're going to make that happen. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, I think it'd be ex- exciting. I, I, especially anything related to mission stuff. Like, there's been so much talk about, you know, the, uh, you know, these mission calls saying wait till conference. I mean, that rumor just never. That one I think never it was going dies. for 30 years. Yeah. Um, I just when it's involving the missionary program, I just am a little more skeptical. I also didn't think two-hour church would happen. So what? Yeah, I mean, who knows? But it could happen. I could see. I see the logic. I, I see the logic behind this being something that could be taken to God for approval. Right? I can understand where someone would come from with this. I mean, really, if you look at it in an obvious way, like we are an institution that's largely run like a corporation <laughs> structurally. I haven't and, noticed, Jeff. And yet, the way we allocate missionaries runs against simple concepts of return on investment. Right, like we instead try to blanket them evenly and let them be there. When, if you were using the mindset of being as smart with your resources as you can, you'd say, "No, I want to chuck my valuable resources at the best performing area to get the most out of it." So, it would make sense just in that, in, in that, uh, in that structural way of doing things. I don't know. So, we'll see what happens. There, are, of course, lots of rumors that go around conference. You can read about them at our little sort of roundup article that we have over on the website if you want, but that's the one big one that stuck out to me this time around. And I don't know if they'd announce it during conference, even if it does happen. They're, they're pretty big on a lot of these yeah. news dumps. Right. I think they've there. moved away from uh, general conference announcements unless, I yeah. mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think what they would announce there. It would be so big. I mean, I I would, if they could do it over again, I doubt they'd do the two-hour church announcement outside of general conference because that's such a big change. That's what that's a, that's a, that was a huge change and combining priesthood quorums made sense and that involved a lot right. of people explaining how it would be. But this is the kind of thing you can handle in a news release and then with some additional follow-up. Yep. Cool. Well, let's call it there everybody. If you haven't been to patreon.com slash this week in Mormons, oh my god. I've been there, you, Jeff. If you go there, it'll give you the opportunity to give me money. <laughs> I've given you money, Jeff. Every Have, month. You're a kind soul, man. I appreciate it. You know, these I encourage these, others to do it as well. These fees are real, everyone. There is a cost involved. 
and maintaining all of this. I could break it down for you, but as I am not a 5013.c, I don't have to. You don't get to peek behind the curtain. Kurt, on the other hand, has to reveal everything to all of you. In That's right. Everything. Anyways, but if if you would if you love the show and you have for a long time, we really all we're saying is like a buck a month. You know for, that can help us. Even little things. If we could improve our hosting, I could publish higher bandwidth episodes or higher bit rate episodes. All kinds of stuff like that. But either way, thank you very much for those of you who do that. Much appreciated. Thank you for subscribing to the show. If you haven't done that, please do so. Whether that's on uh, whatever your podcast app is, uh, if you're on Apple I, Apple's podcast app, just hit that subscribe button, make it happen, and leave us a review. And visit us on our social media channels, especially this weekend where we will be both commenting on conference and tracking ties because you know we will do it. We always do. And we've been doing it since like 2011. I think you should track blouses too, Jeff. We do track blouses. There's a female component. And we'll have to bring that out this time because there's no priesthood meeting this weekend. There's only the women's meeting. So... Yeah, and I want—I'll put a plug in for the uh, one of my favorite things to follow during during general conference is the general conference notes, where somebody's created a, that is a good. Google Doc that they share with everybody. So it's like a community effort uh, to take notes. And so if you're ever looking for a quote or what was said, you can always go there and find. Uh, it, it's awesome. So that is good, um, Kurt. <laughs> you're no, I've seen that too. It's really great, uh, Kurt. You're doing great things. Everyone, go to leadingsaints.org. Uh, Please do. Interact with this community. Subscribe. You, of course, are also welcome to be a donating member of the Leading Saints community, where I'm not going to lie, you will get more ROI than you will from this. (laughs) Since we're speaking of those notions, I'll just be frank. I'm not very good at putting on a game face and BSing people into doing things. That's why I'd be terrible at sales. But um, Kurt does great work, and I stand by him 1,000%. So I hope you will go. Myself and my marketing degree, we're, we're a good team. So we, Yeah, it's we funny because I work in communications. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah, I'm really grateful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, well, I believe in that product, and I believe in this. Everyone, thanks for taking the time to tune in. We hope you have a great general conference and uh, that you get lots of good things out of it, and we hope you will share with us your insights and engage with us on social media as you do so. So otherwise, for Kurt, I am Jeff. This has been This Week in Mormons. Be well, be holy, and be happy. Happy General Conference. Ah. This Week in Mormons.com.